Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. everyone welcome back it is jay scott it is the hook rocks thanks for tuning in once again always appreciate when you stop by so thank you very much we are part of the pantheon podcast network a great network of music related podcasts so please check out all the podcasts on pantheonpodcast.com as well as on social media pantheon pods on instagram twitter and facebook you can also check us out on those same three platforms at the hook rocks so we always post our shows and links to Wherever you can find it, we are available on all podcast platforms. So please check us out on Apple, Spotify, Audacity, wherever. And uh, write us a five-star review. We always appreciate when you give us feedback. Hopefully it's positive. And please let us know what you'd like to see more of and what we're uh, doing that you like. So we do like that. We are approaching our 500th episode, which is really amazing. So that's going to be here in just a bit as well as our four-year anniversary. So thank you very much for hanging with us for these past four years and all these episodes. We we enjoy your company. We enjoy doing this. We always like promoting new music, new bands, new artists, talking about the music business and all the ins and outs with that. And of course, interviewing some legacy artists. We've had some great episodes recently. We interviewed Toshi Yanagi from the Jimmy Kimmel Live Show, the guitar player. So that was really cool to have him on. We had Josh Todd. From Buck Cherry, Kip Winger from Winger, talking about his new album, as well as George Lynch, the great guitar player from Dokken, 
always nice to have George on. He's been here about three, four times and um, always uh, glad to have conversations with him, whether it's about music, whether it's about his philanthropy, doing documentaries about Native Americans. And uh, if you haven't checked that out, it's on Amazon Prime for free. You can watch Shadow Nation, which is the great George Lynch documentary. We talked with Zach from the band Abrams, and we talked about their new album in 2022 called In the Dark, which is one of our favorite albums of the past year. So please check that out. We also talked about Cheap Trick in the great album at Budokan on our live album quarterly review. Some previous episodes included Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick and Richie Kotzen from the Winery Dogs, as well as Tyler Bryant from Shakedown. And we've got another great artist for you today. Um, an artist that I absolutely enjoy, big fan of, love the last album, love this new album. Uh, one of my artists that I picked to have big things happen for them in 2023. We did a year year end show towards the end of the year with about top 10 bands that we think are going to make a great move. And the album is only the wild ones. And the artist is Jax Hollow. What's happening, Jax? How are you? Jay, how's it going, man? I don't know how you remembered to say all that stuff. That was really impressive, dude. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I um, done it like, almost five hundred times, so it gets to yeah. be easy after a while. Um, but uh, thank you very much for doing this. I appreciate it. Very excited about this new album. Very excited about what you're doing right now, and excited about what's up and coming for you too, as well. We'll get into that. So, the new album came out last month. And just a phenomenal album. Um, just absolutely love it. And it's very Americana, but it's a little bit different than your debut album in that it's got a lot, in my opinion, a lot more texture, a lot more subtlety, and really love the way the songs are laid out and the way the songs are played. Going into this recording session, what did you want to accomplish with this new album? Yeah, so... Uh, I'll really different than underdog anthems uh my first record with michael wagner and uh it i basically wanted to create where i was at in terms of songwriting uh playing and uh singing and it it more was uh focused on i want to take the rock elements that i love and then combine them with more lyrically focused and really like just really good songs i just want to get back to like creating like great songs and having them kind of speak for themselves and having them fall into place to as to where they are so a lot of those mechanisms were working together as well as um the opportunities that sort of like kept presenting themselves with me like uh juanita copeland from uh sound emporium the ceo of sound emporium was like do your record here let me get let me introduce you to some of the best studio musicians in town and like, let them bring your songs to life. And so um, it was sort of a test to like the songs, like if you bring them in front of these, you know, um, beasts, like these, you know, these Nashville staple, you know, guys, uh, what can happen with them? And uh, uh, I think the result was pretty cool. Yeah. You know, coming off the last album, obviously, Michael Wagner is a big name in the business and he has a great reputation. There has to be some excitement for you working with someone like that on your debut album. He ended up retiring and you went into this project trying to find what the next step was. 
how did you, you know, find and surround yourself with people that were able to give you what that next step was needed? Yeah. Uh, so I met Juanita through uh, the Rockin' podcast. Actually, I found that I was on like a panel with her and uh, and some other people, and um, we just you know, I guess she just liked my vibe and she was like, Hey, like reach out. And so I was like, I'm reaching out. Like, what's up? And she's like, yeah, come on in. And like, this is a crazy, awesome experience. Let me tell you like personal stories about like hanging out with Robert Plant and uh, how like one of the, one of the stories was she, she, she was hanging out with Robert Plant and they went to the Bluebird Cafe and uh, Robert Plant had his hair up. And so like nobody knew who he was. And then in the middle of, uh, the performance and like after the song was done he's like he turns to her and he like winks at her and he's like watch this he, like undoes his hair and everyone starts going just, 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 like, what is that, what is that? <gasps> and then eruption and then it like you know i'm sure like uh, it got the bluebird got derailed and it was like okay well now robert plants here so we have to like address that there's like no way we can continue like you know the the quiet you know singer songwriter like code you know, so I uh, just cool stories like that. And then she like introduced me to Jason Isbell. Jason Isbell was cutting something in Studio A. And I think his wife was in there, too. And it was just like the break room, little coffee room. And she's like, yeah, come here. Like, like, let's like, let's meet Jason Isbell. I'm like, OK, he's like one of he is probably the my favorite artist like of right now. Like, I'm just like, right this is cool. And I met him and I said, hi. And I just tried to focus on like not passing out or saying anything dumb. And I don't remember what he told me because I was so focused on just like not being there in the moment. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just awesome. Crazy. Like it just, it, it always spirals. Like once you like put yourself out there and, and are open to new people and new opportunities, I just feel like it sort of like cascades from there. And um so I'm pretty lucky, I'd say, you know, you know, we always want to be, we always want to get to another step or another level um, when we're doing, we're, we're, then we're currently at, at the moment, right? We always are looking forward, right? As an artist, you always have to be looking forward. And I know with a new artist like yourself, having a debut album that, may not have connected with people as much as you wanted it to, not because of the music, just because of just the way the landscape of the business is these days. I know there was some frustration here in the now with what you're doing with this album and what's to come with you here in the future, in the very short-term future. Do you feel like you're, you're where you're supposed to be? I know there's always going to be frustration. You think you always need to be here when you're not. But with all these things that you're telling me about and these people that you're meeting, these people that you're working with and the people that are surrounding you, I think, in my opinion, from hearing that, everything's still going in the right direction. Do you feel that way? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. I've got some cool, I've got new people sort of coming into my life and, and helping. I've got this really great guy, uh, Mark Adelman. He's sort of been um hanging out and like championing me to like different record labels you know he's got some more reach with that stuff he found me and he was like what are you doing and I'm like I don't know I'm like flailing around in the deep end and I'm putting together a show at the basement east with like these awesome bands he's like well who's helping I'm like <laughs> you're looking at her like you know like what are we doing and 
I've got great other great friends, my friend Chris Rambo. We've so I just have like people who I ask questions about who know way more than me and really help me get into good directions, but never anything too like. Um, let's do this with your career because I think the industry right now is in that same boat where they're just like, we don't know, we're flailing around too, but like we see opportunities and stuff. Like I just played it in New York city at, at, you know, and it was sort of like a a showcase for, for a a label. And uh, I thought it was, you know, we played really well. And I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how much I can say or anything, but like, um, you know, it's not like it, it is in the movies where it's like the guy comes backstage and is like, here's a contract. Here's a record deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I understand, you know, yeah. but like also part the stupid part of me is just like, ah, like I want to be a rock star, <laughs> you know, but uh, there's just there's and it's it, I mean, like it's it is a little crazy. The Melissa Etheridge gig has been like the beat my north star and the beacon that's it's like hey it's okay if anything else falls through like that like 2023 has been made because melissa etheridge is a gatekeeper and she is badass and she's awesome she's so awesome that she's like hey up and coming you know whatever like you know nashville singer songwriter who loves to play guitar and you know, gets requests for Melissa Etheridge downtown Nashville, like every day. Would you like to open for me at the Ryman? Like that, like somebody, I only get anywhere because of like the generosity and like gatekeepers just kind of coming in and being like, oh, hey, uh, I see you're down on that ladder rung. Do you want to like, just like here, I'll just, there we go. You know, just one more step closer. And uh, so that, if anything falls through, I don't have a place I currently live at in Nashville. <laughs> you know, I am the first like homeless person to play the rhyme and I don't know. <laughs> you know, like I, I'm like I I just I take it as it comes, but that the Ryman is has been my dream like my entire life and it's it's gonna happen whether I'm ready for it in July or not. I mean I will take all the necessary steps to be ready. I will practice the shit out of everything every day. You know me, but like Am I mentally prepared? I have no idea. You never know. Like you have to jump out of the plane with the parachute. Like you, there's no preparation. That's what I've been learning is there's no, cause I'm like meticulous and I'm like OCD and I will take things and I'll be like, it's like, I will like practice diligently for hours, 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 but like nothing I think can prepare me for that moment in July. And that is so exciting and terrifying, but mostly exciting. So you know, yeah. when you think of it that way, I always look at it as the stage, What you, you're playing the same, right? The stage is different, but you're playing the same. Do what you do and you'll be fine. Do what you always do and you'll be great. And I think, you know, the Ryman Auditorium is a, is a, a bucket list for me. I haven't been there yet. I would love to see a show there. But, you know, these steps that you're taking, you're there for a reason. So when you talk about the meticulous and you talk about the practicing and you talk about being prepared, you're already prepared for it, Jax. You've gotten to this point, so you're prepared for it. It's just, you just got to do it, you know? And I think that's the thing. I think you're going to rock it. You're going to be awesome. And you're going to, you know, 
you're going to perform as well as you always do. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Melissa Etheridge, I remember when you sent me the message, that was a couple months ago, you know, when you were excited about it. And it brought back memories for me. I saw her live on the Yes, I Am album, which had like come to my window and I'm the only one. And that was a f- almost perfect record. I mean, that record is, is amazing. Yeah. And of course, she had the stuff previously, like bring me some water and some other, you know, but she is a phenomenal performer. That woman owns the stage, any stage that she's on. And, you know, the fact that she's still here. I mean, I forget when that Yes, I Am Yes, I Am album came out. It had to be like mid to late 90s. And she's still killing it. She's still awesome. Dude, I, she's got the Broadway thing happening. She just announced it. I don't, I'm not sure exactly what it is. I think it's like sort of like inspired by her story or something, something like that. But I, she just announced it. I didn't look into it, but uh, it looks cool, you know? Yeah. She's a badass. I mean, she really is. She's a pioneer. Um, she's a badass for many reasons. Her music, you know, her stance on a lot of things, her, her, her personality, her, who she is. She's just, all around just a phenomenal individual and a phenomenal musician. Oh yeah. So when you got that opportunity, when you were told like, Hey, you're going to open up for Melissa Etheridge at the Ryman, take me there. What was it like hearing that, getting that phone call? And, uh, yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was, I was, uh, playing, uh, on so it was during the off season, so it was uh, a couple months back uh, in the winter, and I was trying to save up, make money on a cruise ship, playing a uh, classic rock, and uh, you know I get this text. It's like you're not gonna believe this, but um, I'm gonna call you in a little bit, and I and I I. Uh, when I heard the news, just like silence, just like it, it, it was, it was like a tunnel vision inside, like the back of my skull, just like uh, I was like in a random hallway on the cruise ship, like just like on the phone, like trying to just get service, you know? And um, it was insane. <laughs> And I uh, went downstairs and I immediately told uh, Mike, my drummer, and uh, it was a pretty awesome moment. And he like lifted me up, you know, like in the sky and we were like both jumping and laughing together and having a good time. And uh, just a, just a really, that, that was like a movie moment of uh, just elation, you know, just, just a great, great high. <laughs> yeah. You had the show at the Bowery Electric, which has its reputation, too, as well. Um, I believe that place is owned. I don't know if it's still owned, but that's by Jesse Malin. Oh, I don't I didn't know that. I don't know. Yeah, I think he's I, I know he owned it in the past, but um, I don't know if he still does. But he, of course, great singer songwriter, too, as well. And, um, you know, has a history in the music business. Great, uh, great music. Um, so that, you know, I, I was going to ask if he was there, but. Maybe he didn't see him or, or, or uh, maybe he's on the road himself. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I saw anyone. 
but but that was a fun night that's a cool venue and that was a, that was a fun yeah. night and people came out and it was yeah it was a good thing awesome so the album only the wild ones released in may features 11 songs 11 kick-ass songs and there was a lot leading up to this you released a few singles like wolf and sheepskin and some others to it as well wallflower girl in bloom this album comes out i get it i listen to it just absolutely amazed at what i said you know a lot of texture a lot of depth um a lot of i love the subtleness on a lot of the songs and to me, it is, you know, like I said, Yes, I Am is a near-perfect album. This is a near-perfect album. I mean, what went into this when you were writing and recording it? Like, what did you want to do when you went into that studio or when you started writing these songs? Did you have a vision of what this album should be for you? Uh, man, uh, it's hard to say because it, it was evolving as I was evolving as a human, a person, and a musician as well. Um, so uh, at first, I the the main focus, like I said, was combining like my favorite elements of all the genres that I adore, and really focusing in and being like, okay, today's music industry, I'm bored as fuck. <laughs> I want better songs, better musicians, and better performances, and like. Like, it's not so much to ask for. You know, I, I just crave something better than, oh, shit, they're only going to listen for 30 seconds. If we can get them for 30 seconds to listen, then we get paid. Like, it's just such a shitty business model, man. <laughs> you know? And uh, so, like, why not push the envelope? Why not, like, uh, try to write and create music that moves somebody that that has uh, depth to it, that has weight, that has purpose you know not to say that some of my music you know i write and i'm just like it's it's more of like fun on the record you know you're composing you're creating a piece of art like if you, this is different than just releasing singles and hoping that people listen past 30 seconds so you get a paycheck you know what we're doing is still a continuation of what like our rock forefathers have been doing for a long time which is creating art you know <laughs> like so um yeah, the, the album should be kind of a cohesive piece of art. Maybe it has a darker, stranger feel. Like Ventriloquist is like, it's like a jazz, like, you know, um, dark and sexy, like New Orleans, like, you know, riff. And then uh, Wallflower Girl in Bloom is like, like an Americana, like explosion of like high energy, like, um, uh, like, uh, like proclaiming that like you you you're like in love with the way that somebody is like discovering themselves you just want to like bask in that light for a little bit and just like sort of like take whatever little like sparks that fly off of that and keep them and then wolf and sheepskin i think that's my favorite song on the record it's just because like playing it live is so different than the recording like i've got that new strymon cloudburst pedal and I, as soon as I got it, I was like, this is like dedicated to Wolf and Sheepskin. Like the intro, it, it like creates its own like string orchestra thing behind you. So you just sound massive. And I think that's how I'm going to start the Melissa Etheridge show is just like that. Um, and uh, I, wish you came, I wish you came out to the beast because that's how I started uh, the Basement East show. Uh, but yeah, uh, like it's, I just, every single song is like meticulously just like 
reconstructed, like, you know, like taken apart, put back together. Uh, I've rewritten Wallflower Girl in Bloom probably like 20 times. And, um, you know, I'm just not satisfied until I'm still not satisfied, <laughs> you know, but uh, at the end of the day, you got to like throw paint at the wall and like press record and be like, OK, we're making a record, which is what the studio kind of forces you to do, especially when you're at Sound Emporium and you've got like two days booked to like do it all. And, um, you know, you can't let uh, insecurities or anything interfere and get in there. You got to you got to just attack it. You know? you know, there's a lot in there with what you just said. You talked about your self-evolution, you know, evolving as a musician. Um when you are creating, how how do you get that evolution from yourself? Does it come first as you as a person, and then it, it correlates into your creating? Um, where does that? I always want to know that answer from artists: is how do they get to that next level of evolution? I mean, you talked about Robert Plant in the beginning of this conversation. Look at his evolution. Look at the evolution oh, yeah. of Zeppelin from the first album of Led Zeppelin to the last, to him as a solo artist, now to him, you know, doing folk music. Um, that in itself is inspiring, right? I mean, here's a guy that can rest on his lawyers who's worth millions, yet he would rather do something that is for him and for his own self need, right? Than go on a reunion tour, get paid $25 million just to play 10 shows and, and just, you know, bring it on home, so to speak. But but look at him, too. Like, uh, he's always had that in him. Like, he's always had, like, the Robert Johnson, like, the just, like, the, the, the old blues records from, like, when they first started, like, the technology was there to, like, record sound. You know, that's where he got what he has. He was interpreting it his own way and he that would never leave him that's all roots that's like american like roots that's that's the blues that's like gospel that's 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 rock you know um he's always had that sort of like element almost country element to it Mm -hmm. and it obviously came out a lot with you know allison krauss and everything but I, I know when they're recording, you know, at that like farm in England somewhere or, or Scotland, wherever they were, like that's, I'm sure he was like, you know, super happy about all that. But, but, you know, I, I mean, like it's all, every single artist brings like the evolution within it because they're trying to create something totally unique. Um, and if they're not, then it's like, like why even do it? But. Uh, if they're not doing it, then it's really just a job. And they're just trying to get paid, which right. I totally understand, but not respect, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, uh, I think I'm, I think I'm derailing. What, what was the question? The question though, as it pertains to you is how do you find your evolution? Gotcha. Yeah. Evolution. Um, I think it just is happening whether I am ready or not, because I am just never, I can never sit still. I'm never satisfied. I'm like, I can't, I can't even like, I don't even, I've been resting my head in a different like bed almost every other day. 
you know, I just have restless life syndrome, <laughs> you know? So uh, I think that just comes uh, together with the music as well. It's just, it's just a constant searching and longing really. And the way that I find self-expression is sort of how I understand myself in the world too. It, because uh, it's therapy for me. It's, um, yeah, it really means like a lot to me. So I treat it kind of as a sacred thing and it, it, it gives it, it, when it gives, it is like all of the validation that you need as an artist. Like when it's really giving and you look up to the sky and you're like, that, that feels like it was just like presented it like plopped down on my lap. Like I don't remember writing the intro for Wolf and Sheepskin. It just it like appeared, you know, I know it's like very, I don't know. And I'm not trying to be like, like mystical or like pretentious, but like it's, we all talk about this thing, like in the zone, everything. And we're constantly chasing that. And when we get it, it's like a reward and we feel blessed to be there because 95% of the day that you're not there, it's like you are practicing and working on like in like, you know, greasing the wheels to get to that place. Just like in real life, when you have the, when you're opening for Melissa Etheridge at the Ryman, that is like the 5% and then you don't see the 95% of my life that is like, you know, really like digging at everything to try and create art that is significant that that means something that's it gives you like that it gives you more like vitality like in life it just it just like restore like if i go to a concert i and it's like like seeing jason isbell at the ryman like i was there that night in october when his wife was on stage and i and i was like after that i was like man uh there really is something to this like without this this is like the culmination of the human experience that sort of validates how lost you feel sometimes. And it really is like so comforting that I can't explain the connection that is like necessary. I think when an artist is looking, you know, for the evolution, I think it comes with experience, right? I mean, when you think of the last few years for yourself, you know, whether it was touring Europe, whether it was having Michael Wagner work on your debut album, writing songs, being in Nashville, being, you know, what you do in between albums on the cruise ship and going to different destinations and dealing with different people. I think that all kind of goes into that energy within you, right? With that energy that keeps you being curious and keeps you being, you know, changing your perspective or changing your views or maybe not changing, maybe evolving your views, whatever they are. And I just as people, we're always evolving because of what we do and what we experience and where we find our path in life going. And I think for yourself as an artist, that's so important 
for your creativity. I think when you're stagnant, I think then, you know, that's when maybe the the zone isn't there as you spoke of, right? Or it's hard to get into that zone. But when you have all these things and these things become memories and they things, these things become part of your DNA, um, I think that the output then is wolf and sheepskin, right? Is the songs that you're writing. And I think an artist needs to, needs movement in order for them to survive creatively. You know, like they, they need experience, they need movement, they need change. They need sleeping under a different roof, you know, one week to another. Maybe that, you know, it, it helps them learn the ways or harness their creativity. I don't know. I, I'm not a musician, yeah. but I feel like yeah, that is important. Yeah. If you're comfortable, you're the, what you create in your art is going to sound comfortable. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I'm not saying you have to be as crazy as a lifestyle as me to create good art. Uh, I mean, it's probably say it's probably a best bet to like have a place to live, you know, <laughs> you know, um, but like, you know, um, you're never going to, I mean, I had this conversation with, with a lot of people because I have, I have friends, I have family and, and, um, you know, I always hate it. I always hate when people say like, I can't do this. I can't do that. No. You know, like, and I know that's people like, Oh, like, don't say no, but it really is like, once you do something impossible, um, it has expanded your comfort zone and like, you're like, Oh, Wow, I can actually do things. I can actually take hold of like my life by the fucking horns. Like I can actually uh create this thing that I've always wanted. And I'm always in trying to encourage like friends, family, anyone I know to like I feel like I I feel like I've unlocked like a secret cheat code that some people are just sort of like, oh, that cheat code's too hard for me to like put in, you know, and and I'm not saying it's like, it's for everyone. I just think a little bit of like, I think as a society, maybe we are too focused on what's comfortable and we take medicine. Like, let me like, you know, like tap out. Like, it's like, well, why, why not go the extra mile? Why not see what you're capable of? Because every time I've like pushed the envelope and like, yeah, I've messed up a lot. I have, I, I have failed upwards my entire life, <laughs> you know, and it is awesome because I really don't regret failing. Even if I bomb a show, like I still don't really regret it. Cause the next day I, I cry it out. I get, I am so mad at myself. And then the day after that, I've got the t- this tenacity that I haven't felt in months, you know? So there's so much you can gain from failing upwards from failing. And then that's, I think that's the, the failing upwards is how do you, how do you take it from there? How are you going to let this like inspire you to fail again? Because failing again hurts and you're just going to keep doing it. And you're going to have to really make friends and develop a relationship with failing. Yeah, that that is so that's a great thing what you just said because 
you we you fail more than you succeed in life and it's okay to be uncomfortable it's okay to live with with being in a state of discomfort right as long as it's not terminal as long as it's not you know forever because when you do have experiences where it seems like you said the impossible you draw on those things that you did say i can handle that cuz i did this you know i went through this and i came through the other side i'm a lot stronger i know how to deal with adversity so that's going to be easy to deal with you know and, and it's it, tr- truth be told it's it's never easy so to speak but you should have the confidence in your ability to get through something because you have been through things whether you know it at the time or not when you reflect you have that ability to say yeah i went through that and it was not a good experience, but I got through it and I learned a lot about my threshold for whatever. And, and I moved on and, you know, look at what my life is now. If I didn't experience that, maybe I wouldn't be at the position where I'm opening up from Melissa Etheridge at the Ryman, or maybe I wouldn't have worked with Michael Wagner, or maybe I wouldn't have had this show at the basement. You know, you talked about doing all that stuff at the basement by yourself. There had to be a lot of like, you know, stress and all that stuff, putting something together like that, putting together a show, but you did it. And now like when someone comes with the opportunity, you may not want to do it again because you know the stress, but you know, you can do it, right? You know, maybe I would have done that differently next time around. And that's all part of the evolution. That's all part of growing, right? And when you have, when you're a creative person like yourself, your, your, your brain is evolving. Your emotions are evolving. And when you come down to write a tune, maybe you play the lick a little differently. Maybe you play the riff this way or that way. Maybe it would have been different six months ago, but that's all part of you. That's all part of where you're at in life. Yeah, and maybe you've got your 500th episode coming around the corner and you've got, you've started from like here and then you've got like these amazing, like huge artists on your channel, like because you didn't stop. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I remember when I started this, I knew that there were a lot of podcasters that start and that stop. And I said, you know, if I'm going to do this, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to do this. I'm not going to just do it for five episodes, 10 episodes and say, eh, this is too much. I'm really going to like jump in and learn how to swim in this. And I'm still learning, you know, I'm still figuring it out. But yeah, you're right to that point. You know, you have to create your own narrative, so to speak. You have to create your own opportunity. And um, you have certainly done that. I mean, this album from the debut album, you know, shows your growth. And I think for me as a music fan, I always appreciate the most when I know an artist is looking to unlock something different, you know, rather than doing the same old and phoning it in and knowing what works, knowing what people like and just continuing to do that. Maybe you can do that when you get to a certain level, but to bring it back to Robert Plant, here's a guy that never phones it in. Who's always looking for to unlock something different, even at the age of 70 something years old. He's still looking for it. That's God, I wish I could meet him, man. I hope I can meet him. Someday. He's on my bucket list. He's one of my guys yeah. on the bucket list to have on the show. It may never happen, but man, the conversation, the questions I have for that guy. Oof, we have like yeah. four or five hours. <laughs> I want to tell you something, but I don't know if I'm allowed to. Ah, 
another story that Juanita told me. Uh, I'll just, I won't right now, but maybe in private, I'll tell you. Okay. All right. <laughs> One of the other things that you said in that, in that part of the conversation too, was music being art, right? And, and I think more so than ever, the evolution of rock music now has become pure art in a way where it's not mainstream anymore. And the, when the question arises from that, do we want it to be mainstream? Because if you look at mainstream music and all, all the crap that goes into it, whether it's auto-tuned, whether it's 20 different writers on a song, whether it's tracked and all that kind of stuff, do we want our beloved rock and roll to be that way? And a lot of it's going towards that way, even within rock and roll. But I think there's this this little sliver of rock and roll that's going to remain true to its pure art form. And when you look at AI and you look at you know what artificial intelligence is going to be doing to music over the next decade, I think it's vital and important for it to remain the art that it is. Because once you start utilizing that, it no longer becomes art, it becomes commodity. Right. It becomes, you know, something that you can create without really creating someone, some, I, some other entity is creating for you. Right. Exactly. And and I think that it's actually creating an entire um, like business platform and opportunity for real music, because I think people are going to be like, damn, I miss feeling things in human connection. Oh, wait, live music still exists. Maybe uh, people will care about that more. It is really hard to get people to show up. Like, whenever anyone shows up to any of my gigs, I am, like, all over them. Because it's like, I know how hard I know that you're working your ass off just to, like, survive out there right now. And you have, like, dedicated three hours of your time to come and hang out and experience this thing. And I'm trying to give you like a release from, from that. And anytime anybody connects with my music, I'm just floored because that's, that is like, it is hard to get people in a room. And I think that AI is creating its own self-destruction in that thing, because it's like, uh, you can't get anything like that. I saw, I saw a video of this, this really cool. It was like this guitar setup, and it's like a mechanics that's playing stairway to heaven. And um, do you see that too? And then people are like, it sounds boring. And I'm like, no shit. (laughs) And then first of all, I was like, do you see how hard it is? You know, you know, do you see like what, you know, we spend like, you know, 15, 13 years playing guitar. I play that in my sleep, you know, whatever. Stairway to heaven, everything. But like, do you see now that everyone makes fun of Jimmy Page because he's like a sloppy player or whatever. Do you see that the human error is actually a really beautiful thing, which brings us all back to art that human error is like this really great thing to capture and put into music. But you, again, like what you said about the art, it has to be consumable too. Right. And that's kind of why I went to Berkeley, got way too much in debt. I've got so much student loan debt. I'm not even, can't even talk about it. And like, that's why I went there. Cause I was like, well, let me understand the mechanics of this. Let me be an engineer. Let me reverse engineer some of this stuff. So I know what's happening. And I know how to ignore it, you know, so I can I can create, you know, one of the new boots playlist songs and like have a cool turn of phrase in the country, like pop country, like, you know, atmosphere. And I can do that 
and also like play with puzzle pieces and put the best elements that I think are in and create my own thing, which is kind of like what Jack's hollow is trying to do. Uh, and that's why I'm really excited about, you know, Tyler Bryant and shakedown. Do you know this chick, Madison Cunningham? She's amazing. Do you know her? No, I don't. Oh man. Oh yeah. I was, I've been listening to, I think her, I was called like the revealer or something right, right from the first song. I'm like, Oh, that's cool. Is this like a musical revolution that like maybe I could be a part of as well? And I think it is. And I think she posted a picture of her. Like she had like some kind of award on her desk and she's like, look at this award on my desk. I still can't like afford to feed myself, but look at where I am, <laughs> you know? And like, fuck it. I like it. I don't care. You know, I want to get paid and like survive and eat and stuff, but like, I'm so into it that I'm like blinded by whether I'm successful or not. And that's kind of a cool place to be. Cause I really have nothing to lose. And that creates great art too, I think. But, well, also it depends on how you define success. Yeah. I think too many people look at the top of the mountain as being the definition of success, right? Being the 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 most popular artist and having seven homes and you know the the most expensive cars. And granted, that's success. Don't get me wrong to get to that point, but there's also the fact that you're doing what you love, and if you can make a living doing it. That in itself is success, right? Or being in the life of creating and having that outlet constantly is success too as well. You know, when you're not conforming to just a nine to five job, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. It's admirable and it's it's what, you know, people do. And there's, but when you have that idea in your head, like, no, I want to do this. I want to create, I want to make music. I want to write. I want to do where I go wherever this path takes me. That itself, accepting that as is you as a person, right there, you've already, you're already a success because you've you've made that leap, that jump, that ninety nine point nine percent of the people out there will never do who want to do something like that but never do it. Yeah, I mean that's I, I come from you know that background. You know, I, um, my, my family uh, nine to five, blue collar, like my whole family. Um, you know, and it's, and I, and they work hard. They work, my mom works so hard, man. She works at a nursing home. She is, she inspires me, man. She is one of the hardest workers I've ever seen. And, um, and she raised four kids, like, <laughs> you know, and, um, it's tenacious, you know, and, um, uh, but yeah, if you don't follow like what, your entire body and your heart and every like fiber of your being is like telling you to do like she like she wanted to be like a mother like she knew she wanted that you know what I mean like if you if you ignore that in you it's gonna you're gonna freak out you're gonna have like anxiety you're gonna have so many like things like I, I truly believe that like you really have to listen to like your internal self and like try to be so like perceptive like like, like, like just take it take it in like get to a place where you can you know, like be alone with yourself a lot. Like I, I encourage you, I would love to encourage anyone listening to just be alone, be in your car, be alone, take a drive, be gone for like two hours, put your phone away, get that phone away, put a TikTok away, all that shit. It's all shit, dude. <laughs> put it away. Be alone. Are you happy? A person I always love firing up about TikTok is Tuck Smith. And we've had some conversations about, 
you know, the, the pitfalls of TikTok and what TikTok's doing in the music business. And I can't say he has, he has spoken every word I agree with about that whole platform, but um, yeah, there's a difference between being alone and being lonely. And people need to know what that difference is, you know, being alone um, causes reflection, thinking about things and planning things and having your mind settled is very important. I think in, in anything you do in life. Um, you and you're know, not alone when you have that constant stimulation. You're really not alone. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and to think, I, I, a mentor of mine told me at a very young age that spend every day, at least half hour by yourself in quiet thinking. And I've tried to apply that as much as I can. I'm not always successful at it, but when I do, I feel like my life is always better when I do, when I'm able to do that. So back to the album. I know we, we, we got a little bit of a, of a, of a different path here in the conversation, which is always cool. I always welcome that. But, you know, when you look at this album and my favorite song is Renegade Season. I absolutely nice. love that song. <laughs> and, and that is my vote for your next single, to be honest with you. Um, it reminds me of when you did your previous album. And when you did the song, oh, um, Drift Together, which yeah. I think I had that on repeat for like four days. So if you saw an uptick <laughs> at some point last year and that song getting a lot of plays, that was me playing that like a gazillion times over like a, a four day period. Um, when a song hits me like that, Renegade Season, you know, the album hit me, but that song in particular, you know, you talked about feeling, you talk about people consuming it and feeling it. That is to me like what makes a good song. And what also makes a good song is everyone talks about staying the test of time, which is true. But a song, a great song, also evolves with you. And kind of like keeping with the subject that we're talking about, you know, with that, if a song can change its meaning or change its definition or change its, change your view of what the song means as you grow in life, that to me is like, that's the, that's the best right there. Dude, Renegade Season is a crazy story because Renegade Season had no lyrics or melody to it. I brought it into those guys and they're all studio musicians. They're all looking at their charts. You know, what do we play? What do we play here? And that's in that song that uh, maybe we took like two takes of that. They just went off. They just we just kept jamming on it. They didn't stop. And eventually we came to the end of the song. And I remember Joe, uh, Joe Trenacasi was doing, uh, was engineering and uh, producing. And he turned to me, he's like, this is not normal. Like, they don't usually just jam. Like, we're really like that. And that's, I want to chase that way more from an X record is have it way more like that. Not so, because, you know, they, there was, it was scheduled out and there was like charts and stuff. And for the next record, man, I want it to be tenacious and organic and like and like that like that feeling i got just jamming with them being like oh we're not ending here oh we're not ending here oh shit the, everyone in the room is really into this and i just watched it happen in front of me i was in the booth you know on, on the side and matt king lex price tim galloway they're all playing and, and they're all like totally just into it and i was like oh this is what makes a record a record right because there was no words, no melody. It was called the clock song because I, the initial uh, idea was like. Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. 
Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. And it was like playing in the background and I had that sick, like deep, and I was like, that is a hell of a riff. I want this to evolve like the intro to um, like, I don't know, like, like the who meets like uh, give me shelter meets, you know, I was like, I want this to like evolve. And then I want it to be like the big, like a uh, free bird thing at the end. Um, and uh like a big solo and uh, i kind of got my wish and then i was like well shit speaking of evolving i was like what the fuck do i write for lyrics for this and then it all just came together i just was like yeah i feel like a goddamn renegade i feel like i feel like the black sheep like my entire life i'm just a black sheep like i don't fit in genre wise i don't fit in like anywhere i am like in between shit so much of my life that it is like it's so lonely and I'm not alone like at all because I have this outlet, you know, but to be in between everything, I feel like, yeah, sleeping in my car. Like I, I feel like a renegade. I really do. And, uh, and, it, and now it's been like the closer for, for, uh, for the, for the live show. And it's such a cool closer. Cause we do like an intro but I won't give it away, but, but yeah. Uh, so evolving the songs evolve with you just as much as you evolve with them. Yeah. That whole experience, that's a journey within itself, right? You're, you're watching these musicians jam out to a song, working the song out, so to speak. And there's probably periods of excitement, like, Oh my God, I love what they're doing. And then there's periods of like, where are they going with this? Like you're kind of lost in a certain way, but it's like a ride, right? It's like, it's like, you don't know what turn's going to be next. You don't know where it's going. And that's just got to be like, man, like, like you said, this is what makes a record a record. This is what makes a song a song. It's not, you know, that's what they used to do back in the days of Zeppelin and the stones, right? They used to have an idea, but just come in and just work that song out and jam out to whatever they were doing and find the song wherever it is, with the riff, with the melody, find it. 
And it sounds yeah, like dude, I, yeah. dude, I hated what they did with only the wild ones. Just flat out going to say it. I was sitting there with my guitar and I listened to what they did. And I was like, this is bad. And I, you know, I couldn't communicate. That was just very quiet. And they're like, and they, they, they're, they're pros. They catch on. They're like, what are you thinking, Jax? You know? And I'm like, it's not it. You know, but in my mind, I'm like, this is stupid. <laughs> you know, articulation though, articulate how I'm feeling. How am I feeling? Mm. So the first time we attacked only the wild ones, I scrapped it. I went to a different studio. I tried to do it just solo with a click, without a click, scrapped it, hate it. And then I came back. I booked a, a second session at Sound Emporium where we recorded Renegade Season and only the wild ones for like the third time. And they knocked it out of the park. What was and you know what? They, they, they didn't even remember what they did the first time, which was the total home field advantage. They didn't remember what the hell they played. And they just went in there and they played what they felt. And I was like, that's it. That's what I was looking for. So sometimes you don't know. And sometimes you really do. You just have to really trust your gut. And you have, I think you just really have to not necessarily know what you want or what you don't like or what you like, but just know that you're, you just have to have such a good intuition with like how, I don't know, man. At the end of the day, I don't know if it's all bullshit or if it's like totally like like its own like religion. It could either it could be like its own religion or total fucking horseshit. And that's where and I'm somewhere in between that. So, well, I think the lesson there is sometimes you just got to put it down, right, and go on to something else. Sometimes it needs to bake a little more, right? Yeah. And then, you know, what you're telling me is wasn't working that session. You went and tried to do somewhere else to kind of get out of your bubble that you were in at that moment. And then that wasn't working. And then you came back and it worked. And I think that's the lesson. Yeah. Like sometimes you just, you know, right, let's move on to something else. It's not working for me, you know? And that was hard for me to say to them because it's like a three chord song and they are like monster musicians. And I'm sure it probably felt weird for them too for me to just be like because i didn't want to be like that's shit you know you you can't say like you, you can't ruin a vibe in a studio you just record it and then you have your own inner dialogue and then you're you're like okay we're moving on to another song like great job guys but really it's not it but um you don't like ruin the day by being like why can't you do this perfectly it's like no it's art you know they don't know just as much as you don't know and then Coming in next time, last time, like they, I don't know, we spent like maybe 30 minutes on it. And it evolved the way it did, you know? And that's rewarding in itself, right? Because you got the, the track down the way you heard it, right? I mean, that's, that's, you know, what you want as an artist. You never want to compromise yourself, right? And you never want to go, okay, I'll go with it because these guys are good musicians and they know what they're doing. Maybe I'm the problem or whatever. No, you got to stick to your guns and you got to like say, no, you know, let's just move on. Let's you know maybe come back to it. But right now, and the whole thing about the three chord thing is the simplest things are the hardest things to play. And, and, you know, you can, yeah. you know, you can be a shredder and you can go up and down a fretboard and make sense of it. But to get that, simple riff down that a consumer like myself, you know, who's absorbing it, feels it, 
that's the most difficult because if everybody could write a three chord song and have it be a hit, everybody would be ACDC because ACDC's mastered the three chords. You know, I've always said three ACDC's three chords in a set of balls, right? And, you know, when you think of that simple stuff that they play, it's very difficult to play. It's not easy because like yeah. I said, if it was easy, everybody would do it. Why do you think people like have Tom Petty on repeat and not like Yngwie Malstein, you know, like, very true. Yeah. yeah. Tom Petty is the most the master artist on rock radio for the last two decades. Because master. Man, it's simple, but it's not. Like it sounds, but that's the whole thing, right? Is making it sound simple. So for someone who's consuming it, isn't and, and I appreciate Ingve Malmstein. I was an 80s kid. I loved Ingve. But when you hear that, that that stuff he's doing it's great. And you're like, wow, this guy's a true artist. Like he really does it. But for a lot of people, it's hard for the, for people to feel that. Right. Because it's, and that's it's, where, right. That's where the consumerism meets like artistry is like, well, who care? Like, why do I care? Why does it like, like you could have, you could be like incredible, blah, 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 blah. Like, cool. Why, why, why do you have the audacity to create art and you are basically asking for random strangers to pay for your existence right you are like like they are are buying your rec well back in the day you know they are consuming your material and sort of giving you this life that you've always wanted because you mean because your music means something to them so you have to create something that mean something to you and mean something to the people who are supporting your lifestyle, you know, yeah. and I'm sure he does. Yeah, he does. Like he's like, he, you know, but everyone can find their own path. And so I'm not saying, you know, that's really comparing like crazy different opposite spectrums, but, but, um, but yeah, that's what I've been wrestling with too, because yeah, I've studied all the shredders, you know, like I say classical guitar. So like the, the fucking sweet picking, I've, you know what I mean? It's just, and at the end of the day, my favorite songs are You Don't Know How It Feels. You Don't Know How It Feels. Space. It'd be me. Like, that, like, damn. If I could write like that, uh, I'm still chasing it. And I think I'll always chase that. I think he chases it, too. Like, he chased it, too. Like, he made that and he chased it. Continued Absolutely. to chase yeah. You know, getting to the point too, when you think about feel and what you just said, you know, the one shredder that was able to do it was Eddie Van Halen. Eddie mm -hmm. Van Halen had the ability to play this crazy stuff, but with incredible melody where you could feel like happiness, right? Like if you're if you're ever down in the dumps, listen to Van Halen. You won't be down in the dumps. It's just always it's happy. It's up tempo. Dude, yeah, Hot for Teacher is the coolest fucking song ever, and it's like hot and sexy, and it like, and I'm like running on a treadmill to that. You know what I mean? It's like, and I love playing it too. Like it, it's it like, yeah, exactly. But yeah, he found that you know? he found yeah. that whatever you call it, where he could shred, but it didn't sound like intimidating. Not scare people away. Yeah, yes. he yes. could shred, but make it his own thing. And not scare people, and that's because he has great songs. Like I think, I think that's the that's the meat and potatoes is because they're they're great songs. Like Panama. Yep. 
Panama. It's like, oh, it's driving. It's awesome. Memorable, you know. Absolutely. What's next for you? I know you've got a few more dates left. You got the Melissa Etheridge stuff coming up too, but what is on the horizon for Jax? When are you coming to Chicago? <laughs> yeah. Well, get me a goddamn booking agent, man. That's what it's like so hard. Like, why is it so hard? I'm booking all these shows myself. I don't know what I'm doing. And, you know, I just like, I would love to have a team. I would just love to have a team. I've got some great people in my corner. I don't really have like a solidified team. And I would love a booking agent. I don't, you know, I, I can't actually do everything myself is what I'm figuring out. I, I like physically can't. I, I am late to respond to emails, <laughs> you know, people get mad. I, I just, uh, I would love a team. I would love support. Like a label would give support like that. Um, I'm usually pretty like a team player and then, you know, I can be a little, I guess, hard to work with at times, <laughs> but I mean, wrong with that as an artist, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. I mean, that's what you have to do, you know, but as far as the team goes, you know, I think of the dirty honey example, right? I mean, I mm-hmm. think of one of the, one of the quotes, I don't know if it was Mark or John that said to me, we have a small team around us that believes in what we believe in. And that's yeah. the, key. you know, if you have people that look at you as an artist, as just a client, and I'm going to do the same thing for Jax as I did with XYZ band or XYZ artist. That may not work for both artists, right? You have to really know the nuts and bolts of the artist and know what they're looking for, know what they are and curtail what you do for them, kind of customize it. You can't just, you know, cookie cutter it with everybody. And I think the reason why Dirty Honey is where they're at versus other new bands is because they do have that around them. And I think yeah. they don't want to lose that. So I think and Mark is hot. <laughs> Mark is hot as well. What is he gonna ask me on a motorcycle ride? I've been waiting. I think you said it on our last interview too as well. <laughs> this is an ongoing theme that we'll revisit next time we talk. Yeah. <laughs> Did Mark asked you out on a motorcycle ride yet? No. <laughs> mm. But I think, you know, the, the album speaks for itself. The songs are great. And I believe whatever's good will be found. And I think it's, look at all the things since we last talked, I think was, which was, I want to say like maybe in the like late summer of last year um, to mm-hmm. now, all the stuff that's happened for you, new album, Melissa Etheridge, all these people in your corner, you're building your team. So I think it's, it's all happening for you. You know, I mean, um, it's too good for it to be unnoticed. And I think it will finally be noticed here eventually. Thanks Jay. Not if I had anything to say about it. Like I said, I, I, every time I talk to someone in Nashville, like an artist, you got to check out Jack's hollow. You got to Oh, send me your stuff. I'm like, send it to her and everything. And hopefully something will pop, you know? That's all we can Thanks do. Thanks for fighting for me. Always. Yeah. <laughs> always. So anything new, though, after Melissa? Do you have any dates planned or any, anything else going on? Festivals? Uh, we're looking at Europe. I've got a couple people looking into playing Europe this fall. Uh, that would be cool to do again. And, uh, yeah, I would love to start looking at 
the next record I'm already writing for the next record, obviously, but to get like, I think what's really going to make or break the next record is to get a real producer on it. Like somebody who maybe comes along and is like more of like a passion project for them because last record was awesome, but it was sort of self produced. Like the, so many people had different hands on it. You know, I had Evan Fredrickson, I had, Joe Trenacosti, I had Juanita Copeland, I had Jay Sims. There's so many people who had their hands that helped arrange things and like make it work and all the musicians on it, but no real like big producer to say yes or no to things. And um, I think I kind of need that. I think I really need an outsider's ear for the next record because I think there were a couple songs that I brought to the table. Nobody told me no, and they should have told me no for like certain things. Uh, obviously, the ones that didn't make it on the record, it's a good thing they didn't make it on the record. Because, but, but uh, yeah, I would love to work with. Just see, just see. You know, I'm 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 open for anything, but I I would love for someone like that to sort of come into my life. Yeah, I mean, having someone be that that voice to tell you when things are good and when they're not so good, I think is really important, you know, and um, an artist that can handle that, that uneasiness in a studio, but you know that it's making you better. It's making the songs better and the record better. I think that's a huge thing for an artist. Yes. And um, I actually went in being naive and thinking that I could be my own producer. And that's stupid you need an outsider perspective. Like, like I'm just telling you all you like independent artists, maybe you were possibly listening, get out of your own, like, like pull your head out of your ass and like get second opinions and get like, even your friends, send your songs to your friends. You know, you, everything you write, you're really excited about. You're like, this is gold. Listen to this. And it's like, what are you trying to say? You know, if that's the response you're getting, like there's something to it. If you give it to someone who's not a musician, they're like, okay, then there's something to it. Like, you know, you need, you need somebody else's ears. You can't just have your own for everything. Exactly. Well, Jax, it's been a blast. I always love when we talk in our conversations, um, they always take a life of their own, but I'm happy for you. I'm happy that you have this new album out and I'm happy that you're going to be playing at the Ryman with Melissa Etheridge and, I believe there's more to come. So thank you. Thanks, Jay. The album is Only the Wild Ones. You can stream it everywhere. You can get it at her shows and get the physical copy, I believe, right? Yeah, jackshollow.com slash shop. Absolutely. Check out all the links for Jax and our notes for the podcast. You'll find her social media on that, her website. And then always uh, check in, subscribe to her email or her website so you get all the updates and when she's touring and all that stuff, follow her on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And I think maybe even TikTok if she's on there. But all those links will be on the podcast notes. Thanks again for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Again, this is Jay Scott with The Hook Rocks. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Yeah, the clock on the wall has been skipping. But you don't notice the beat till the missing.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.